Welcome to Movement Church. My name is, my name is Mark, and uh, I feel like I should, I should let you know. We had a, we had a file go, uh, it corrupted itself today, and they had to switch something out. So we, had, we played YouTube. It looks like we've got a good old pop-up ad in the background. Maybe on the computer. I don't know. You guys have been there. You've all been there, right? Okay. Well, anyway, uh, it, was, uh, it was one year ago, uh, this time of year, January 2014, uh, we, were, we were talking uh, about our goals for the next year as a church, and, uh, and, and I, I stood up here and, and shared uh, some personal goals, some things that I was uh, wanting to do, uh, just to be transparent and just so it wouldn't look like we were making goals for the church and that no one had personal goals. And so uh, I, I stood up here and, and shared some things that I wanted to do in this last year. And so uh, today we're, we're starting week two of this series, Your Move, talking about uh, where we want to go as a church again, what our, what our vision is, what that looks like in 2015, and uh, what that specifically looks like uh, in these next few months. And so this series is themed after the fact that this is the time of year where everyone goes and buys a new gym membership. This is the time of year uh, where everyone says, I'm going to read my Bible four times a day all year, I promise. And, and we have uh, some lofty goals, and sometimes we do them, and sometimes we don't. And so uh, before I, I talk about goals, and then you think, gosh, I could never be as great as him, I thought I would tell you all the ways that I failed this year so you'd feel better about yourself. Is that a, a good idea? I hope so. Okay, so I uh, stood up here a year ago and shared some of my goals, like I said. Uh, here's, here's the update on those. Uh, I said, I said that I wanted to, uh, to, to spend significant time in, in God's Word this last year, just reading, studying. Uh, luckily, I get to do that for part of my job, so I feel like I did pretty good with that goal, luckily for you. Uh, that was a good one. Uh, I also said that I wanted to start uh, doing a prayer journal more this last year, just kind of writing down some things that God was putting on my heart and in my life. And uh, there's no other way to say this than I failed miserably at that one, people. All right? So uh, that's one that I want to, uh, want to get better at this year. Not, not that I think that you have to write down your prayers, but that's something that I want to be able to do just because of uh, this, this journey of, of starting Movement Church. And, and I want to be able to look back and say, wow, God did that. God did that. God provided in that way. God did this. God answered this prayer. I think that we see that through the Old Testament. Uh, all throughout the Bible, we see God providing for Israel. And so I want to kind of have a record of my life just so I can encourage myself. Uh, another goal that I had was to take some spiritual days away this last year, just once a quarter to, uh, to d- devote a work day, uh, no, no laptop, no phone, just me and a, a Bible somewhere, spending some time just praying and, and asking God uh, what he wants from me as a, as, a, as a person, as a man, as a father, as a husband, as a pastor. I was able to, to do that pretty well this year and, and spent some days doing that. Uh, one goal that I didn't do so awesome at, I said that I wanted my weight to be 190 pounds. And before you start laughing, because some of you already were, I don't know how you knew that, you were judging my weight. There was a time in the year that my weight started with a 1 and a 9, uh, but I never made it to 190 pounds. I've got to be honest, all right? So that's just one that we'll push back for this year also, okay? So if you see me eating a donut, just come up and slap it out of my hand. All year, you have free license to do that. That's, uh, that's a goal I, I didn't do so awesome at. Another goal that I said I wanted to do... Um, when we were assessed as, as church planners, they said that if, if I was going to be a, a pastor at a startup church, just all the stresses and things that could go with it, they said that I needed to worry a little bit about myself. They're like, you're a guy who takes care of your family and goes on date nights with your wife, but you need to have hobbies for yourself. And so I've, I've, I used to be an artistic guy. I've kind of pushed that aside. And so I, I stood up here last year and told you that one of my goals was to, uh, to oil paint this year. And so I dug out my great-grandma's oil paints from the crawl space. I have been given those when she passed away, and, and I got them ready and I set up a place in our basement, and I had an easel, and I tested some of the paint and painted part of a canvas blue, and now the year has ended. So here we are. I painted uh, roughly like four inches of a canvas blue. Um, My friend Adam back here, he actually noticed. He was like, hey, you've got a pretty good studio set up. So he's come to my house and painted like four times in the last month. Um, So he's doing better at my goals than I am, but I promise you, 
I hope that this year I will, uh, I'll get better at that and I can, I can uh, make some oil paintings. Maybe you'll get a Christmas gift next year and it'll all be worth it when I make you a painting. But that's something I did terrible at. Uh, wanted to, uh, to, to use all my vacation time this year. I know that sounds crazy. Sometimes I think we find ourselves working and doing so many things that we don't really take downtime. Uh, we were able to do that. We were able to get away, take some, some staycations. They're more affordable, right? We also went to North Carolina and did that as a family. And so I uh, got to do that. One of, one of my goals uh, for, for Movement Church was to see Josh, who was just up here, our uh, creative arts director, worship leader, was to see him be able to come on staff full time just so that we could, we could expand and, and grow as a church. And so we got to see that happen. Uh, another goal I had, we were up here a few weeks ago talking about a, an event and a kind of a program we'd been doing for our men called Fight Club. Uh, we were able to launch that and see that go for 12 weeks, and we've got some manlier men now. If you weren't here for it, it's not an actual fight club. We just named it that so it would sound cool, all right? We don't punch each other or anything like that, I promise. That would be really weird, but we, we saw fight club happen. Uh, I said I wanted to read one book a month this last year. I can read, and that's about all I can say. I don't think I got to one book a month, but I, I tried my best, so uh, I'm already two books in in this year, so hopefully that will go better. Uh, and, and to tell you the truth, uh, I had some other goals that I probably failed miserably at. But there's one other one I, I, I think I did all right at. I had never left the United States of America uh, up until this year. I, uh, I had been to Canada once, like across the border from Vermont, to go to IGA uh, in 2005. And that, just because I was in Vermont, and they were like, oh, it's closer to go to Canada. So that's the only time I'd ever left the United States in my life. I'm just a, a sheltered American. And so uh, one of my goals was that as we began a partnership in, in Haiti this last year, I wanted to go to Haiti and just be on the ground and see that church being planted and, and see those people and see that ministry up close. And so I had a chance to do that. And so uh, I, I was excited about that. Now I like to think that I'm a well-rounded Renaissance man who knows many cultures and languages. And so I'm not, but I'll tell you that anyway. So um, that's, that's a goal that I was able to do all right at. But uh, to tell you the truth, as you probably heard, um, it's embarrassing to talk about your goals sometimes because uh, you, you, you make declarations and you say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and I'm, I'm, this is going to happen, and I'm going to discipline myself in this way. And then sometimes you just don't do it. Sometimes you drop the ball, and sometimes it's, it's humiliating. And so, uh, I, like I said, I thought I should share that before we talk about where we want to be going as a group of people and what we want to be doing as a church. Sometimes uh, goals change. Sometimes things don't happen that we want to happen. Uh, but we want to be sensitive to where God is calling us and what he's asking us to do. And so this series is called Your Move. And your move means you, right? But that means, that means us. That means we. And so some of us have been here for a week. Some of us have been here for not even an hour. Some of us have been here for two months. And you might be thinking, I don't know if I want to be part of this your thing. I, I just want to keep my moves. But we want you to know that, that we're glad you're here. We don't think it's a coincidence you're here. We're excited about what God is doing and uh, we want to talk about where he thinks he's, ta- he's taking our church, and we want to invite you to, uh, to join in that. And so last week, I want to uh, review some things here. We said that, um, that our vision, as always, doesn't change. Our vision is to be a movement of people finding their way back to God. We said that movements are intentional, movements are contagious, and our big idea for last week was simply this, to see our vision happen as a church, we have to continue to give our church away. To see our vision happen, you have to give your church away. What we meant by that, we used some of these blocks over here, and, uh, and we, we built a, a pyramid. Now, there were, there were like six, seven levels, uh, but we said that, that in, a, in a pyramid, we often are, are tempted to think like, oh, I want to get to the top. Oh, I want to be the person up there. But the people who build movements and the people who build churches are the people who are willing to say, you know what? I want to be the foundation. I want to serve other people. 
I want to do some things that maybe aren't glamorous. I want to I give myself, give my talents. I want to commit to this. And I'm willing to let God build on, on my foundation. I'm willing to let God build on, on my back. I'm willing to serve so that God can build something through me. And so that's what we meant when we said you have to give your church away. It's not that you literally have to say, well, they need my seed. I guess I'll go find a new church. No, we're not asking you to actually stop coming here. We're asking people to say, where, where does God want to use me? How does he want to build on the foundation of my life and, and my gifts? We had some people who came together originally as a launch team when this church was in the new formative stages and made that commitment. And God has been able to build what you see. And so as we look for him to expand where we're at and what we're doing, we need a new generation of people to say, God, I want to serve. I want to give myself to you and I want you to build on the foundation of my life. And so that's where we went last week. So this week, we want to, uh, we want to look at a, another passage. And so maybe, maybe you've got a Bible next to you, but we're going to turn to Acts chapter 2. Uh, there's, there probably is a Bible under your chair, in front of your chair, behind your chair. Maybe you've got one on your phone or your iPad. But we're going to be in Acts chapter 2 this week, page, page 832. And I want to invite you uh, to turn there. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 to 47. If you don't know uh, much about God's Word, much about the Bible, or even specifically the book of Acts, let me, let me catch you up here. The book of Acts is kind of the book that starts as Jesus' earthly ministry and earthly life draws to a close. Jesus has, has been sent to earth. Jesus has done incredible ministry. He's ministered with the disciples. He has given his life. He died to take away our sins. He was resurrected, defeated death and sin. And then Jesus went to heaven a few days later, right? And so we know all of that. Maybe we know pieces, but that's the life and ministry of Jesus. And so at the beginning of the book of Acts, Jesus has been there. He's been the rock. He started the church. He's been awesome. And he's taken up to heaven, and, and he's gone. And so the book of Acts is really the story of, of what happens after Jesus and how the, the original church, I mean the universal church, the worldwide church, how that comes together, how that's formed, and how that takes shape, and, and where things really go from there. And so as we were a church starting out a few years ago, we read through the book of Acts. We studied the book of Acts. We looked at the book of Acts, and we said— all right, this is how the first church was. Maybe we can learn something from this. Maybe we can, maybe we can take notes. Maybe we can do what they did. And so as we're starting to, uh, to kind of rebuild our foundation and make sure that we're in the place we want to be, I thought this would be good for us to just uh, look at this passage again today and, and get some, some, uh, some guidance from this. So we want to read in Acts chapter 2, verses 42. And let me go ahead and, and read this. It says this. It says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I think we can, we can look at this passage and look at the first church and look at kind of how they had set up their church and the posture of their lives and hearts and their attitudes, and we can learn something. And this is our big idea for the day, so I want to just put this before us. The way we see God is proportionate to the commitment and sacrifice that we show. The way that we see God is proportionate to the commitment and sacrifice that we show. Now, I didn't say the way that God moves 
depends on us. So I wanted to repeat that quick before you thought that I was saying something terrible and saying that we control God or anything like that. But I think the way that we see him in our lives, the way we see him work is often because of the posture of our lives. It's because of where we're looking and because of the commitment and sacrifice that we're showing. And so I want to go back through this passage, just comb through it and see if there are some things that we can learn. So let me read verse 42 for us again. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. So what can we learn from the first church? The first church that God used to spread the gospel around the whole world. God's plan to redeem the world. What can we learn from this church that was set up and spread all over the world, all over that region, all over the country, to other towns? We can learn this. They were devoted. This church, these people, they were devoted. If you look at that, it says, all the believers devoted themselves. That's not, uh, not really probably how we would describe the American church if we're being honest, right? If we're describing the American church, we'd probably say something like, the people who felt like getting out of bed that day decided that they had nothing better to do and it would be on the way to lunch. You guys hear the cricket chirping? No, it just got kind of awkward in here, right? That's, that's how the American church thinks, though. Or we'd think, like, some of the people who decided they wanted to go to church that day and didn't have vacation or, or didn't have a rough week at work thought that maybe they could, they could go after all. That's, that's often how we think. This church, there's a reason that they saw God move and work. There's a reason that they had a front row seat to what he was doing. When this church is described, it says, All of the believers devoted themselves. They were all devoted. What were they devoted to? The apostles' teaching, to being together, to be in the presence of God, to be worshiping and to be obedient and putting into practice the things that they were hearing, the things that they were learning, and the things that they wanted to see put into the DNA of their body of people, of their movement of people, of their church. And so we're told all of these people were devoted. It says that they had, they had fellowship. Now, I don't often uh, break out language on people and, and talk about original translations and things, but I love what the word fellowship means in the Bible. It means this. It means intimate participation. So I loved hearing Sarah share her testimony and just talk about the fact that she thinks the best thing that she can do because Jesus has given her the gift of salvation is that she can, she can come and be taught, and she can come and worship, and she can say, God, here's my thoughts, here's my emotions, here's what's on my heart. I want to sing to you. If we're devoted to the church, if we're devoted to worship, we should be intimately participating in a relationship with Jesus. That should include our attendance. That should include our devotion. That should include our singing, and that should include the way that we want to be taught, the way that we pray. This group of people... They were devoted. Not just that they were devoted, but they were together. They were together. And so, not just were they devoted and they would show up, but they were, they were doing things together. I mean, this passage says it pretty clearly. Verse 44, right? And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. And so they, they weren't just coming and saying like, well, I, I guess I'm going to go to that thing today down at the temple or at that guy Ezekiel's house, right? I'm going to go to that... That's what people were named back in the Bible, Ezekiel, right? No one was named Bob. They just had names like that. So, so everyone would go to church like, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. They didn't just say that. They went to church, and they were, they were devoted to what they were doing. And they weren't just devoted, but they were together. Together doesn't just mean in the same room. Together doesn't mean not talking to people. Together means sharing life. Together means doing life together. And so if we go back to that word fellowship, and we talk about intimate participation, they probably knew 
what was going on in their friends' lives. They probably knew their pets' names. They probably knew their kids' birthdays. They probably knew the last time someone had had the flu, and they knew what was going on in their life. And so if we want to take cues from the first church, if we want to be a movement that God is able to use, we have to be devoted to meeting together, but we have to be together and willing to embrace that. Not just that, but out of verse 44, it says not only that they met together, but they were in one place and they shared everything they had. We can learn that, that they were generous. It doesn't say that they shared some stuff, right? Like this morning, everyone knows that I'm that guy that always has gum in his pocket because I have a weird phobia about not having gum in my pocket, right? So sometimes people will come up and hit me up like, Mark, I need a, I need a stick of gum. My breath's terrible, you know? And, and so I think I'm being like completely sacrificial and awesome. And I'm like, all right, let me provide a piece of gum for you. And, and I think I'm like really doing this amazing, great thing, right? I gave you a piece of gum. You should be really glad. You should have brought your own gum, but you didn't. And I took care of you, right? No, that's, that's not what these people were doing. I mean, this says they shared everything they had. Everything they had. Imagine if some of the times during the week that you have to go to the store, instead of like, oh, I need to run to Walmart to get salt or whatever. Imagine if you were just like, I wonder who I can call from church that would have salt. Or if you, you decide you need a new pair of work boots, right? You're like, well, who's kind of switched jobs? Who doesn't use their work boots anymore that's close to my size? Maybe, who can I call that can give me that? Or if your, your car dies. I know some people in this church looking for cars right now. Imagine if you were just thinking like, who could, who could give me a car? Not that I'm looking to take their car, but just I need a car right now. And we kind of share everything and we're all generous. And I want to be generous. I've been generous. Who could, I, who could I call instead of going shopping? Imagine what it's like to share everything that you have. From food, to clothes, to your house, to resources, anything that you had. These people were generous. Verse 45 even says, They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. I mean, it's one thing to give someone some salt, right? Or to say, hey, here's my work boots, you can have these. Imagine saying, hey, I'm just going to give you money. We probably do that all the time, right? We just see people in need and say, God's blessed me. Allow me to give you money. I don't do that in a normal week. It's people I see. And in fact, we often judge the motives of people, right? Like, well, they're going to go buy alcohol. I'm not going to give them that. I, I know what that guy's going to do. I'm not giving him money. Imagine what it looks like to be marked by generosity so that you're devoted to a group of people, you're always together with a group of people, and you're meeting the needs of those people and taking care of those people. That out of the, the overflow of your heart and what God has done in your life, you can just say, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to share stuff. I'm going to share everything I have. I don't even have stuff. My stuff is your stuff. They were generous. Verse 46 says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared meals with great joy and generosity. So we're seeing some recurring themes as this verse is is shared. We see the word together again. We see that they're at the temple each day. We see that they're devoted. We see that they're, they're meeting together and all of this stuff. We even see the word generosity at the end. But what I love is that it says that they were sharing meals. Sharing meals together, that's like the most intimate thing that you can do in culture, right? I mean, it's one thing to meet someone for coffee. That's what you do on a, on a blind date, like if you're not really sure if you want to talk to the person, because you can get out of coffee in like 20 minutes, right? So if you think they might be kind of weird, you're like, hey, we should meet up for some Starbucks maybe, you know? Like that's what you say. You never say like, would you like to go to a restaurant and have a three-course meal? No, because if you're sharing a meal with someone at a restaurant, or especially if you invite them into your home, You've got to talk to them. You've got to get to know them. You've got to ask them questions about themselves. You have to watch them chew and see if they leave something in their mustache and all of those things, right? 
sharing a meal together is a big deal. It's like, it's like kind of taking your relationship to the next level of, of friendship, right? To say, all right, we're going to have you over to our house. We're going to invest in you. We're going to care about you. We're going to talk about you. Now you're going to know where I live. Now you're going to know how my kids are crazy and why they're crazy and how I can't keep the toy room clean. And you're going to know that I should have mopped the floor before you came, but I didn't get the chance to today. You're going to know everything about my life. Sharing meals is a big deal. And so it's kind of a review of some stuff we've talked about. It's kind of the fact that they're devoted to each other. Yeah. It's kind of talking about the fact that they were together. Yep, that, that it's included in meals. And it's kind of saying they were generous because they're giving food. And yet, it's like a whole other level of all those things. Because they were saying, come into my life. Come into the chaos of my life. Everything I have is yours. I'm committed to you. I'm devoted to you. And I'm sharing life with you. That's what this church in Acts 2 was doing. And I don't think it's a coincidence that this church kind of took off, kind of spread around the world, kind of became a big deal. They were devoted, they were together, they were generous, they shared meals, and they weren't kidding about being the church and about following Jesus. So verse 47, when it says, each day the Lord added to their fellowship, added to their number those who were being saved, I don't think that is a coincidence. Because in the first chapters of Acts, we see thousands of people following God and becoming a part of this church over the course of of one day. I believe that the way that this church in Acts saw God move and work was directly proportionate to the commitment and the sacrifice that they showed. Because they were devoted. They weren't just kind of in, like, yeah, I'll probably do that. Sounds good. I don't have anything better to do. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll go to the church. I'll be devoted this week. They were devoted And they were together. They were committed and sacrificial. And so there's some obvious questions for us as a church as we're talking about entering the next phase of a church and we're saying that God has built our foundation and we want to begin to serve and build a foundation that others can be added to, that people can come and find a church where they can find their way back to God. If we're going to do that, if we're going to be that, we have to ask the questions Are we committed? Are you committed? Now, again, I realize the irony of that. Like I said, some of you have been here like going on 39 minutes and you're like, I don't know why he's talking about commitment. He's freaking me out. You can, you, can, you can window shop. You can decide if you want to be committed. But I want you to know that this is a place where we want people to be committed, not because we want to make you sign a contract, not because we want to freak you out, but because we take church serious. And we think that, that God has created the church so that the gospel can go around the world. And when we're doing our job, we believe that we get to have a front row seat to see God move. So if you're going to be a part of that, are you committed? Are you sacrificial? It's not really a word we we use a lot, right? In fact, it's kind of kind of weird. It makes us think we have to like sacrifice a dog on an altar or something, or you're not sure what sacrificial means. But are you are you giving of yourself to the point of of loss? Are Are you giving of the things of your life to the point of loss? Are you committed? Are you sacrificial? We've kind of alluded to some things, but there's some obvious ways that that we can look at that. And I realize that uh, it's my job to care about church, and I'm the I'm the one who works here, and so of course I would say some of these things. I I know that, but I want you to know that that I could uh, I could probably get another job. I like to think that I could cut hair or go to Subway or something. I don't know. I could, I could get a job, though. I have this job because I'm passionate about our vision. I'm passionate about seeing people find their way back to God, and I'm passionate about seeing that happen in Hilliard and seeing Movement Church built. 
And so I chose to have this job because I want to have a front row seat to what God is doing. And so if we're going to talk about being committed and sacrificial, I think we have to talk about what does that look like for our Sunday morning gathering? What does it look like for us to be committed to being here, committed to learning what God is doing, committed to being taught, committed to worshiping together, committed to hearing people's stories and being encouraged, and committed to encouraging whoever comes in the door. I don't think we're aware of of what conversation God might have us have on a certain day or how we might encourage someone or who might show up that we know from work or from college or, or some way that we can contribute to the greater whole that's happening here. And so are you committed to what happens when the church gets together? Are you committed to what happens when the church gets together as long as it's not negative six that week? Or are you committed to what happens when the church gets together as long as you don't have indoor soccer starting at 11? Or are you committed to what happens when the church gets together if you're not on vacation? I'm not saying we shouldn't take a break. My family goes on vacation. Sometimes I just need to get away from Jen Hill. We all do, right? Sorry, Jen. Sorry. Just wanted to see if you were awake and committed. You are. It's good. It's good. Uh, we, we, all need a, uh, we all need time away. I don't mean to say that. But I think if we're being honest, there's, there's times in our lives that, that we're not committed. And the very place that we should be to encourage ourselves is the thing that we run from. Because we don't put forth the effort to be in a room and to be in a group of people who can encourage us and encourage our spirits. And so you, you have to ask, am I, am I committed to being with other believers? Am I committed to Sunday mornings? Because they're meant to encourage us. They're meant to focus us on who God is and what he's doing. And even the, the book of Hebrews says that we, we shouldn't take lightly getting together with other believers. Because this is where we're encouraged. This is where we're built into. And this assembly, this group of people, is a big deal something that we should take serious. We'll talk more about this in a second, but we have, we have groups of people that meet throughout the week. We call them movement groups. They study the Bible. They help each other move. They pray together. They hold each other accountable. They share food. Some of the other things that we talked about happen in those groups. And I don't mean to say that those groups are perfect. I don't mean to say that if you're not in one, you're going to lose your salvation or not go to heaven or something terrible. But we believe in those groups and we believe what happens in those groups. And we believe that that is where people are together. And we believe that that's where they're, they're sharing meals and that's where they're seeing life change. And often that's where they can be generous and share possessions and share a lot of the things that are going on. And so are you in one of those groups? It's not a guilt trip, but I've got to be honest. If you're not, I think you're missing out. That's how often Movement Church is able to care for people. That's how we're able to notice when you caught the latest strand of influenza. That's how we're able to notice when you have surgery because people are in your life and sharing life and they're able to visit you and pray for you and care for you. And so from from my heart, I want people in those groups because I want you to be noticed. I want you to be cared for. I want you to be able to receive generosity from other people. We have groups that that meet all over the city. We have groups from different demographics. I meet people that are in their 20s and are single all the time here, and I tell them, clearly you're cooler than I am, and I don't want you to come to my group because it's all old people with kids. My my group's practically like a daycare, right? So so I'm like, if you're in your 20s, I always point them to the map, and I'm like, here's a group that's cooler than mine. Here's a group that's cooler than mine. Everyone in my group is like, I thought we were cool. You told us we were cool. We're not at all, guys. We're not not cool. I think we're the oldest group here. No. But we have groups, if, if if you're a single mom, if you're, if you're a single guy, if you're a college student, if you're, if you're someone who's emptying the, entering the empty nest stage, we have groups that can kind of meet your lifestyle and are around your part of the city, and I think it would be to your benefit to be in those groups because 
It's important for us to share life. It's important for us to be together. And it's important for us to see God work. And we're able to see God work based on the commitment and sacrifice that we show to his body, to his church. Another way that we can, we can show commitment is by being given to God. We've talked about generosity, and, and we already had a chance to do this. So this is why I, I like that I get to say this now, and it doesn't look like that, uh, that shameless pastor that's talking about giving right before he asks everyone to get out their, their wallets and dump them out, right? But, but the Bible says that our, our finances and our hearts are tied together. And so one of the greatest ways that we can be committed to what God is doing, one of the greatest ways that we can be committed to his church and be sacrificial is in the way that we give. And that includes our, our money. And so I don't, I don't say this as a guilt trip. I, I just want you to know that I believe that wholeheartedly, that God's word says when you're committed to him, when you're sacrificially giving to what God's doing and giving to his church, you will see him in great and new ways. And I believe that a portion of that, a part of that, is your finances and is your checkbook. And so that's a way that we can be committed, we can be sacrificial. Another way that we can be committed and sacrificial is simply by the way that we give God the gifts that he's given to us, the talents he's given to us, and the ability that he's given to us. We talk many weeks about ways that we can serve and and be the church, and, and some of us have done that, and some of us go in and out of phases of life where that happens or doesn't happen. We're getting ready to, to adopt again here in a few weeks, and so we'll go into one of those phases. I, I was telling Kristen my goals for the year, and she said, my goals for the year are to survive. That's my goal every year when we have a new child. And I'm like, all right, that's a fair goal. Yeah, sounds good. So, so I get the life phase thing. I, I get that. But I think if we're committed to God and committed to what he's doing, committed to being a part of his church and we're being sacrificial— I think that we should be giving back our, our talents and our time and our ability. And for some people, that means working with movement kids. If you don't know, we've got three classrooms back there right now. There are kids in those classes, and they're learning what God wants for their life. They're learning about his word. I love when my kids come out of there, and some weeks they just quote random verses to me when they decide that I need confronted about something. Or maybe they just, they just want me to know what they're learning. They're telling me stories of the Bible. And I love that there are people who are investing in my kids and teaching them so that long after I'm gone, they'll be anchored in God and anchored in his word. There are people each week in this church that do that. That's not for everyone. Some people hate kids. Some people don't even like their own kids at certain parts of the day, right? Might be me. Um, Some people love kids. Some people always want to work with kids. Some people are tech people. Someone set up this light right here. I don't even know how to turn that light on. Honestly, I don't know how to turn that light on. But there are people that have different gifts. There are people who set up the chairs and and set up the curtains and, and do different things that we do. Are you committed to the local church, are you committed to what God is doing? There, there are many ways that you could get involved at Movement Church. And, and I've talked about groups. I've talked about serving. All of those things happen at the Next Steps table. And so they'll talk about those in a second. We've got some new groups launching. If you want to check out those groups and see one this week, maybe just go visit that and be a part of it or, or see who the leaders are. That's at the Next Steps table. If maybe you're, you're saying, you know what, the first time I came, someone smiled and shook my hand and handed me a program and welcomed me and, and, and sat by me and talked to me. We have people that are put in place to do that because we want there to be a welcoming atmosphere here. And so maybe you want to join the First Impressions team. Maybe you want to be someone who can smile and talk to, to VIPs. Some of us have done those things. We've kind of cycled out and we're in a new phase of life. And maybe we're in a phase of life again where God's saying, Hey, I I gave you that gift. I gave you that talent. I gave you that time. You could honor me with that. You could serve me with that. And maybe for the first time or for the second time or for the third time today, we need to say, all right, I can do that. I can serve. Maybe maybe you're someone who who can be helping with movement kids, or maybe you're someone 
who can say, you know what, my only gift is that I can't sleep and I wake up way too early. You can come and set this place up and, and set up the curtains. Those are people that like to get up early or just get up early because they got tricked into it. I don't know. But, but there are people who can give in different ways and people who can serve. And so one of the greatest things that I can say is that until you're committed to something, until you're sacrificing for something, you won't really have buy-in. I think most of us have rented at some point in our lives or we've lived uh, in a dorm or something. And, and let's be honest, I don't think that we were really concerned about how that place looked, right? I mean, we didn't want to put a giant hole in the wall because we didn't want to lose our security deposit. Some of you are thinking that now, like, yep, I just put a door through a wall the other day. But if you own a, if you own a house, if you own a place or you have some buy into a place, it's a whole other thing when you know that you have, to, you have to patch that hole. And so sometimes our commitment and our sacrifice is what makes a place home. Sometimes our commitment and our sacrifice and the way that we say, you know what, I'm going to choose to care about this. I'm going to choose to be devoted. That's what makes something feel like home and become home. And that's what makes us feel comfortable and able to grow in a place. And so I want to just encourage you today to have some buy-in. Don, maybe you, you and Tyler can help me out. Like, if you can bring this, uh, this table over. We talked about this last week, but we said uh, that, that we want some people to be, to be sacrificial, to say, you know what, God, I need to, um, I need to, that's good right there. Thanks, guys. I, we said that we needed people to say, I'm, I'm willing to be the foundation that God can build on. I'm willing to be the foundation that God wants to use. And so there are, there are different parts of the pyramid, but there are people who have to say, you know what, I'm going to be down here at the bottom, and I'm going to be the foundation that God builds. This week, we're saying, how can we specifically contribute to that growth? How can we be radical? How can we be, how can we be committed? How can we be obedient? So I, uh, I went to Home Depot and took advantage of their winter clearances when no one else is gardening this week. All of this stuff is on sale. Wonderful prices right now if you want to go there. I shouted out Luke from Kroger who got me these boxes last week. So I wanted to shout out the Home Depot garden department this week. They took care of me. But um, if you've ever grown something, you've, ever, uh, you've been a part of something growing, we're talking about movement church growing. We're talking about how your individual, individual lives and goals contribute to what we're trying to build and grow here. And we're talking about being committed, and we're talking about being sacrificial. And I just want us to continue that metaphor with giving in, in this way. If I were to say to you, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow a garden this year, I think we would all agree that I would have to put some effort into that. I would have to put some thought into that, right? And so often we say, like, yeah, I'm going to find my way back to God this week. I know that God loves me, and he sent his son Jesus, and I have a relationship with him, and so... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grow in that relationship. And then we put no thought and effort into that all year, and we just expect something to magically spring up. And so the, the gardening equivalent of our, of our lives is kind of like, all right, um, I'm going to just care about what God's doing, and um, that's the thought I'm going to have, and then um, I'm going to expect him to grow me, so probably need some seeds, and um, all right, cool. Maybe I'll just come back in a few months, and that'll be a tree, right? That's how that works, I think. No, when we want to see something grow, we have, to, we have to put effort into that, right? And so, I'm not a gardener, if you couldn't tell. But we would, we would want to, like, actually be intentional in the way that we do something. We would want to say, like, all right, well, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some, some, some soil in there. I'm going to worry about that. Maybe you'd even get some fertilizer. Maybe you'd look at your seeds later, and maybe you'd be careful about the way that you planted those, and you stuck those in, and you watered them. You'd be careful about the way that you saw this take place. And you'd probably check back up on this, this pot, right? You'd probably say, all right, I planted that yesterday. Maybe I'll water it today. Maybe I'll care about it the day after that. And then when your kid comes and kicks the pot over, you'll stand it back up and you'll repack it in there. And you'll say, all right, let me make sure that it has a foundation, that it's cared for, that it's watered, and that I'm continually caring about it. 
You would be a person who, who cares about that and who watches it and who follows up. So when we're saying that we want to be, be committed to the church, think of yourself as a gardener, all right? You're growing your relationship with Jesus. You're nurturing your relationship with Jesus, and you're growing and nurturing the relationships of those around you. And so you need to regularly care about that. You need to regularly check in with that, and you need to regularly be devoted to that so that you can watch it, so you can watch over it, so that you can see progress and see something happen. But often we're, often we're not. We're the lazy gardener who just thinks, like, let me throw some seeds and some water, and, and we'll see what happens, right? We're saying that the way that we see God is proportionate to the commitment and sacrifice that we show. And so if our goal for this year is to see God move and see God in big ways, we need to be committed to our relationship with Him. And we need to be sacrificially committed to His church. Some of you are newly married. Some of you are finding your way back to God. Some of you are new to church and you're saying, all right, I haven't seen God really move in my marriage yet. I haven't seen God in my relationship yet. I'm telling you, you need to change your commitment and your focus and the way that you're sacrificially viewing His church. And so we asked last week, what's your next step? And we talked about this pyramid. We talked about this in the form of a metaphor. But this week, it's, it's way more literal. What is your next step? Some of you have, have been in movement groups and you're not anymore. I want to encourage you to check out the next steps table and look at one of those groups. I think it would be great for your personal growth. I think it would be great for your marriage. I think it would be good for your relationship with Jesus to regularly be with people and be together and be committed and be devoted and be sacrificial and be encouraged. Some of you have gifts and talents that God has given you, and I think that if you got to use them and got to give those back to the church and give those back to God, you would be encouraged, and you will feel fulfilled in the gifts that he's given you. But right now you feel disconnected, and you feel like you're just roaming, and you don't feel a home because you're not invested in where God has you. So I want to encourage you to visit the Next Steps table because I think you would be encouraged by giving your gifts back to God. I think there's a role and a place for you, and you could do that. We believe that the way... We saw the church in Acts move and, and work was directly proportionate to the commitment and sacrifice they showed. Movement Church has the name movement because movements are intentional and contagious. That's what we believe the gospel is. So I believe that a movement of God starts when we show continuous radical obedience to what God has put in our hearts and in our lives. And I believe that a movement of God starts when we're committed to our Savior, when we're committed to His church and we're ready to sacrifice for him and sacrifice for our church. So what is your move? What is your personal move? Not some pie-in-the-sky theoretical thing that we're talking about this week. What is your actual move right now, today, that you're going to make to be intentional about growing in your relationship with Jesus and about growing his church this year? Will you pray with me? God, thank you for today. Thank you for a chance to be together, to be in your presence, and to worship you. Lord, thank you for your word and for the example of the book of Acts. Lord, help us to be people who are, who are wise gardeners this year, people who invest in our relationship with you, people who track our relationship with you, people who watch our relationship with you, and who take care of that, and who nurture it, and who water it, and who feed it, and fertilize it, and invest in our relationship with you, invest in the way that it affects our marriages, and invest in the way that we can love and invest in your church. God, help us to know what our individual personal move is for this year and help us to know how that will move us as a church. Lord, I thank you for today. Thank you for the chance to be together. 
It's in your name I pray. Amen.